What is up, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast. My guest today is a return guest. Many of you know Ethan Blagg. Say hello. Hello. Should I take my mask off? Yeah, take take that mask off, please. Oh, there there's another one. Do you want to you want to take that one off or Oh, and a third. <laughs> you be too careful right now. That's right. Rona. Better safe than sorry. That's what I always say. How are you today, Kevin? You know, you know I'm, I'm doing pretty doing well. Pretty I just well. heard I just an echo. Yeah, I turned it up. Oh, okay. Sorry about that, y'all. Anyway, I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, joining me today. It's, uh, it's a pleasant Texas Thursday. It's really hot. Um, how's the weather there in Colorado? Super nice. It's been uh, pretty nice the last couple of days. A little bit windy today, but it's primo. Spring, baby. Excellent. Yes. What's you know, down there? Oh, it's a good question. Let me check. A cool 88. Yeah, it's not that hot here. It's at but, 70s. Yeah, that's... One of the weird things about uh, this whole coronavirus quarantine situation is I I forget that it's spring in Texas and there are days where it gets really hot. For some reason, it feels like life paused in March. Like, I haven't seen a client, you know, since this all started, which was, what, March? So it feels like my life sort of just paused then when it was a lot cooler. And I'm just shocked every once in a while. Like, oh, oh yeah, it's it's May, and it's hot in Texas. Like, Have you been uh, getting outside at all? Yeah, every day, Good. which is nice. So taking, uh, taking my dog for long walks, my girlfriend and I have been doing that. And um, every weekend we've been picking a direction north south east or west and drive into a lake or drive into somewhere where we can just like experience nature away from everybody and not have to worry about um yeah interacting with other people but still you know in enjoying ourselves so um that's been really nice we've seen three really nice lakes the past three weekends so it's cool all we have sorry no shortage of them in Texas. Honestly, there's quite a bit. So this weekend we're gonna go west cool. and nice. find something uh, west of Dallas or or maybe even west of Fort Worth. We'll see. So yeah, yeah. I've been able to get out. I think my goal was to get out. No, I didn't necessarily want to go exercise every day just because that'll wear me out. But try to get out five six days a week, and I was pretty successful. I think doing that, riding my bike, walking, just, there was a couple of days where I went out and it was like, I think just because of the reduced stress, once everything kind of settled, just being like, oh, this is, this is how life should be. Like being able to go outside and like when the sun's setting and relax. And mm-hmm. The other thing I noticed, the thing I really liked was uh, a riding my bike when I mostly trails, but when I get on the road. There were, like, no cars. Definitely noticed a shift in that when they started <clears throat> letting people go back to work. And then mm-hmm. uh, just hiking, no highway noise. That was amazing. Mm. 
awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts now that uh, things are starting to... Yeah, things are starting to ramp back up. I actually get to open my office on Monday. Cool. So I'm uh, I'm actually really excited about that. I'm ready to see all my clients and, and pumped about that. And Is it Dallas or State that was keeping you closed? Or what, what was the authority? Uh, that was... Um, so it's things are kind of weird because um, even though the uh, the governor is kind of setting the standard, like a lot of uh, the cities themselves are either have more strict rules or slightly less strict rules. Like it's so different everywhere you go. Like if you go out in the country, things are pretty lax. And then like here in the city, like things are a lot more strict. So um, where, where my office is in Richardson were, were allowed to open as like gyms. I kind of consider myself like kind of in a gray area because I'm not technically a gym, but, um, I'm also not a doctor's office. So doctor's offices were allowed to open. Yeah. Like, uh, a week or two ago, but I was like, you know what? I don't want to, I would love to be back open for business and, and doing that, but you know, I, I don't need to be open right now, so I'll wait until all the gyms are open just to make sure that, um, you know, I'm not putting any, any of my clients at an unnecessary risk, I guess. So the whole thing is, is, you know, it's strange and confusing, but we're allowed to open on the 18th. So I will be open then. And, uh, yeah, been letting all my clients know and they're, they're ready to get back in the gym and clients. Uh, like with my clients, I had, uh, I think so far what I've seen most people like, okay, so at Massage Envy, they make us wear masks and they make the client wear masks all through the session. And I am mm-hmm. being so strict and following that rule. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting to find that most of my, most of my clients have, don't care at all. Like I do wear my mask the whole time because yeah. just, I don't whatever but with my clients it's like you know if you don't if you don't if it slips off your face i'm not gonna say anything (laughs) whatever but and i would say almost all of them have had no interest in wearing a mask they're all like i don't want to wear this or whatever none of them have been rude but um yeah i think most people are ready to get back to rolling whether that's a good idea or not i don't i have no idea but uh yeah, I I don't often understand a whole lot of the policy decisions, but uh, I I'm not really interested in fighting them. Yeah. One one way or the other, so it's like eh, it's not that much of an issue for me to just wear it. Um, yeah. And if it helps other people out, then you know What's, I don't want to sure be selfish. You, I'm sure you encounter this in Texas. The thing that I have heard, and I think this is my attitude, is. I will, I, like, I wear a mask going to grocery stores, going out in public. Um, I don't, when I go for, like, a walk or a bike ride, maybe I should, but sue me. Um, I do it at work. Don't, don't sue him, please. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you win negative money. Uh, <clears throat> Ew. Um, what was I going to say, though? The, oh, I will happily wear a mask. My issue is, I'm going to sound like a Texan here, but um, it's like when you when the government tells me I have to, and 
I don't so much have that issue, like if a local government or state is going to tell me, okay, I'm a little more receptive, which is the case, so it doesn't bug me too much. But there's a line where it's like, uh, I, I don't like you telling me what to do, but I will wear it. I have no problem wearing it. Yeah. Yeah, wearing the Constitution doesn't say that. This is America. This is, this is Colorado. <laughs> yeah. There's there's some there's some of that around here. So there's that that whole that whole thing with the uh, salon owner here in here in uh, got one I believe it was Plano. We yeah, had a it was owner here. Well, she she opened up her shop before she was allowed to, but then you know got in trouble and was told she was going to go to jail, and then things happened where like the lieutenant governor stepped in and then other people stepped in and they were like, you know what? She doesn't need to go to jail. She, she shouldn't have to pay the fine for this. Like, this is crazy. Come on. Like we're letting, we're letting criminals out of jail. We probably shouldn't put her in jail. Like I said, it's crazy. So, but all that to say, it, it appears as though things are heading back towards at least what we used to think was normal or had in our minds Something was normal. Something we can live with. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see if there's a a period of time where it starts to come back or not. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be the case. So. Yeah. I think we we'll just see. have like we just have time to will tell. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. This is a this is a little bit of a different podcast, just because, um, yeah, it's more of a relaxed conversation than. I mean, we do have a specific topic, but it's kind of uh, as far as structure goes. This one's going to be super unstructured. So, uh, if people watching and listening didn't get that up until now, like here here I am saying it. This is how the rest of the conversation is going to be, except we're going to be talking about. Nothing. Uh, nothing at all. Maybe maybe a little bit of neural networks, maybe a little bit of how that relates or compares and contrasts to specifically the human nervous system, but nervous systems in general. Um, so let's kind of let's segue into that. So a lot a lot of conversations that you and I have had in the past. And, but especially recently, have been about things that we've noticed that uh, are very interesting and unique about the nervous system. And that's come up uh, a lot lately as it relates to neural networks because that's, I guess, a, a topic that you've studied in, in school. So here we go. Ethan, tell us a little bit about what you find so interesting about neural networks and the human nervous system and how they compare and contrast and um, yeah, take it away. Cool. Um, let me first uh, start with the story of yesterday when you, when you asked me, uh, you know, if I'd want to come on and talk about neural networks, I was like, yeah, sweet. And then I thought about it for about five minutes and I thought, <laughs> uh, 
I, I'm, I've used them. I'm familiar with them. I think I understand generally how they work. But then when I was thinking, about it, I was like, you know, but do I want to be an authority? No. So with that in mind. How about um, you pretend you're an Instagram influencer of neural <laughs> networks? <laughs> that way you don't have to have any credentials at all. Like just pretend yeah. like you know everything Yeah, which without is having to know anything. Obviously true. Yeah. yeah, so with with neural networks, um, I think what, what interests me, going back to how I got kind of started on being interested in them, it was, I think it was like 2000, it was sometime when I was at Cedarville, 2010, 2011, I don't know, I read a book called On Intelligence that <clears throat> talked about the, the kind of the basic structure of the neocortex. Mm-hmm. And how the uh, neocortex specifically is hierarchical and takes input uh, data, like say visual data, audio data, um, and just sensory input, if you will. Sensory input, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a better term, really. That's divide into categories: feel, sight, yeah, which would be an abstraction. But anyhow, um, (laughs) the how. We take in tons of data. Like I'm looking at you. I'm looking at, I don't know. I don't know how exactly our eyes work. Like you know, we call pixels. But taking in tons of data and I'm filtering it down into ch- chunks of specific ideas. Like I'm looking at a human being and you have headphones in. It's like, how do you get to that point? And to me, that was, I remember reading that book and being blown away with even just like kind of a rudimentary understanding of like how this works. So from there, uh, well, it, I think so then, so then shifting away from that, going to school, uh, learning about the nervous system itself, mm-hmm. um, affective, effective, um, so sensory and motor stuff, and then, and then transitioning into massage school. And I think, I think what, uh, kind of lit my fire for a while was the, uh, experiencing the uh, just the nervous system in action. So for mm-hmm. me, that was um, the relationship between I think like the emotional part of us, not just emotional, but the um, I don't know what, I don't know what you call it. You could probably help me out here, Calvin. Uh, yeah, let's let's just say emotions and then the okay. physical, like movement. So wh- why is it? Because I've experienced this. Why is it that certain movements, if you like open something up, you can feel a uh, emotional feeling that's associated with that? Gotcha. Um, and sometimes yeah. it can be repeated, or you can completely release something, some past emotional trauma by releasing something. Whatever. Also, yeah, like we had, you and I had talked about uh, your experience with rolfing, for example. Yeah. And how after doing that, you experienced within the next, what, 24 hours, some some roller coaster of emotions, if you will. Dude, yeah. From I mean, I've worked with um, a chiropractor I worked for, had a couple experiences with her. It was a technique called NET, where uh, it was it's directed, but it's also like she's, in quotes, asking the body questions like with certain touch directed she knows what she's doing and then there's like tapping and stuff which sounds like voodoo but i i think part of it is i was open to it i was ready Mm -hmm. like 
I was at a point where I needed to, I was probably trying to figure out how to work through these issues on my own anyways. But dude, there was a couple times with that where I would have it done. And I would, like it was after a day of work, working for her, she would work on me. I would go home, like 20 minute drive home and stuff would start welling up like Mm -hmm. all sorts of emotional stuff and like just a flood of it and there were a couple of times i went home and ball couldn't do anything about it yeah um just had to get out those experiences like it sounds crazy but after having a couple experiences like that it's like yeah there's something and i don't i like i'm in massage therapy i talk to a lot of people who are um it's the chakras and stuff like that and i'm not saying there's (laughs) nothing there yeah. But I, there's something neurophysiological and chemical about this. It's not – Yeah. there is a way to scientifically and rationally approach it. For sure. Uh, how to do that? Another question. But, <laughs> uh, That's not this conversation. <laughs> right. But anyhow, that, so, so as far as like there are – to me there are um, – I don't know. I could probably just ramble about it forever, but the nervous system is an amazing thing. I think one thing, thinking specifically through like neural networks, uh, like identifying one of the big things to me in, in neural networks, one of the amazing things that they do is they create abstractions. So they create some, some object, say <clears throat> it could be a sight, it could be a smell, it could be an emotion, but something that you can put into like a ball and say this is it's within this or within this shape um and you emotions are a part of that like feeling feelings physical movement is a part of that and i think that's pretty pretty amazing that your body learns these patterns and then you can identify stuff and then it becomes natural for you and you just you build on it and you go Mm. so anyhow and then um from there the thing that i've kind of messed with over the last couple years on and off is uh tensorflow which is a machine learning library by google and uh so i've been using it for like image recognition and that has getting into that so it's convolutional neural networks so it's it's replicating what our visual cortex does is the goal to identify stuff although computer does different things than the it only it only replicates the human mind so far and then it starts going off and you start using a computer for computer purposes Mm -hmm. but um uh yeah that's made me realize that i know absolutely nothing about about it's it's a it's a crazy world (laughs) that's for sure yeah one of the uh one of the things that kind of blows my mind about all this is I knew absolutely nothing about neural networks before, you know, we started talking about it and having recently watched some YouTube videos just, you know, like in five minutes or 10 minutes or less, like what, what is a neural network and just seeing how they explain it and, uh, seeing things that, that are obvious to me, they jump out at me, like the way that there's, uh, there's information input and there's information output and then there's uh like the like a hidden layer um that's about as much as i know about neural networks but uh the way that that's kind of set up similar to the human nervous system with sensory input and integration and motor output 
like, oh, wow, like that seems extremely similar. So can, or, I, can I ask you with yeah. the so you have layers in a neural network, mm-hmm. um, which I think of as I'm talking about more, but like as you identify you you have different label layers of like you identify stuff, you're organizing information a certain way and then you're organizing it a little more and a little more. How do you see that aligning to the human body? That's a tough one because like when it when it comes to how I am comparing those ideas between a neural network and specifically the human nervous system, I'm not sure exactly how the body layers information. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I just think it's very interesting that the human body is really good at, like you said, taking in all this information. And then it's primarily the peripheral nervous system that is kind of absorbing that information. And then that's transferred to the central nervous system, to the spinal cord with with some reflexes, it, it just stops there and goes right back to kind of what what sent that information to begin with. Like uh, uh, like some reflexes, like when you touch a hot stove, the message that that's hot doesn't have time to go to the brain and then back to let you know that's hot. So uh, that signal turns around as soon as it gets to the nervous system, so that is it's is it the ganglia it pops around. I honestly don't know. Okay. I'd have to. I'd have to. We don't know. Good. <laughs> I'd have to go back and look that up. One thing you said there that um, that I find fascinating, I don't understand it, but again, I've observed it in my own life, is the ability or inability of the human nervous system to filter out the noise. So, and that to me is like part of. I don't, I say, I don't know what it is, but like, I don't know if it's just part of maturing or I, I genuinely think like, take ADHD as an example. I don't, I don't know if that is the greatest example, but something like that, where some kids always just blah, 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 like, like I was 10 years ago. And I genuinely. 10 years ago, but not anymore. Yeah, not anymore, for sure. <laughs> okay. But like that, I think that a lot of that is not knowing um, how to deal with either a lack of stimulation or over. So it, let, let's say mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I'm sitting here in a room by myself and there's nothing else going on. No, no TV, internet, radio, anything. I'm sitting here. I'm going to be like, and that like, I need, that's, that's probably a case of needing sensory input. Mm-hmm. Um, Clara, my wife, um, she's an occupational therapy assistant. Part of what they do with kids with, um, with autism of varying levels and, and other, um, I don't know what the word is, but things like that, what they'll do, like the kids will come in and they'll immediately, I think I have a brush here, but she, they have a brush, like a nylon brush that they'll brush them or they'll take, they'll do something physical and they'll stimulate, like they'll rub them down and stuff. And the kids just uh, calm down. Give them that input. Yeah, it's amazing how much the human body is capable of taking and mm-hmm. also not. Sometimes you need it, sometimes you don't. The other thing is, like, I experienced this. Um, like, if you get in a group of a crowd of people and for some reason 
it just becomes too overwhelming. That to me is too much input. And mm-hmm. some people thrive on that. And some people just shut down and get, you know, I think, I mean, a lot of people get panic attacks from that. Yep. And that is, it's fascinating to me how it goes both ways. And mm-hmm. I think that's, just, it's just too much input. That is really interesting how like there's, there's no cookie cutter human, even when it comes to things like that. Like the, uh, the nervous system is kind of tuned into, uh, probably a a window of where it functions optimally and you you know you go one way or the other and you know the body doesn't you know function optimally it doesn't respond optimally it can still deal with that you know it has mechanisms to to do that but um yeah that's crazy so and it was um, well, same before yeah so <laughs> Yeah, I was like, as soon as you started talking, I was like, I remember what I was saying, so I can come back to it. <laughs> anyway, I think what I was saying was, um, shoot. So we take in all this information from the perif- primarily from the peripheral nervous system. Uh, as, well, when it comes to certain senses like touch, let's say, that's going to be a lot more peripheral. But uh, sight, I think, is pretty close to the central nervous system. Um, it's almost directly right into the central nervous system. But so anyway, let's say we're talking about touch just because for, for the sake of context, um, primarily what I do as a kinesiologist is, you know, I'm coaching people to do specific movements. I'm trying to correct movement patterns. I'm trying to correct, uh, movement dysfunction. So it's a lot of auditory cues some visual cues, but I'm telling people how to move. Um, and so they're, they've got to have some idea of how their body's moving. So I think when it comes to the idea of touch, I think that is kind of, uh, that's a big one. So anyway, you take in this information, it's sent to the central nervous system, then the nervous central nervous system integrates this information and figures out what to do with it. And then, input is that essentially? Yeah. So I think it's kind of it's gathered with proprioceptive uh, uh, organelles, if you will, um, in the skin, in the muscle, in the tendons, in the in the ligaments, in the joints, um, sent to the central nervous system where it's uh, the CNS kind of acts like a like the headquarters or the uh, it determines what to do with that information, right? So this P, uh, peripheral nervous system kind of is the communicator, and then the central nervous system is like the uh, – uh, it determines what to do with that communication. Yeah, command center, exactly. And then it sends the signal back to the peripheral nervous system of what to do about it. So, um, so yeah, you have this sensory input this integration and then this motor output and that's where i think uh it's so interesting to to compare that system to a neural network which has uh you know data input or information input and then that hidden layer which i don't understand what that means but then there's 
there's an output. Yeah. So. Okay. So, so, and I do not um, understand this stuff well at all, but okay. So you have the input, you ha- you're taking in a bunch of input. You're, let's say you're, you're um, doing the triple jump and you're learning that when you, so you jump and you feel something, or it could just be, say, standing on one leg. That's probably better, <laughs> a better, Let's make it one. simple. Yeah. <laughs> so you you take in a bunch of information, you classify, okay, I, I don't know what the brain's doing exactly, but oh, I'm leaning toward the left. That's not good. But then there has to be some action. And that is where there has to be, you have to say, okay, I want to go the other direction. How do you go from that one concept to, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, millions of neurons firing in a certain pattern. And that is, to me, I relate that, I don't know if this is exactly accurate, but there are uh, GANs, uh, Generative Adversarial Networks, I believe is what that stands for, where they do that. And you're starting to see now in like um, Google or whatever other companies are, are doing this stuff, where you can say, uh, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes with this, but uh, I want a picture of a snowy road with a house or whatever you tell it what to output mm-hmm. and it will make something that looks real and there's a whole specific process behind it but to me mm-hmm. that's like there's a learning that goes classification or learning like learning sensory and then you also learn the motor and the two mm-hmm. are related they're, they're mm-hmm. feedback mechanisms for each other and i don't know exactly how the human nervous system does that but it's fascinating that is crazy that we're getting to the point where you just tell the computer what you want, and it's like, okay, and it just spits it out on the other end, more or less. Yeah, I mean, no, there's no programmers or anything behind it either. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> dude, okay, not to get too far sidetracked, but might as well. So, thinking about people are always talking about um, <clears throat> when are we going to be replaced by robots and mm. you get all sorts you get like yeah i think elon musk has a very interesting he just did a uh, joe rogan podcast mm-hmm. and i was like to hear what he has to say but if you think about it think about how much sensory input we like how what how many if you were to replace us with silicon and with different sensors and stuff think about how many sensors there would have to be like so many yeah it's insane but I don't know. Yeah. So I don't yeah, think we're replaced by by we're not gonna be replaced by robots fully. Yeah. That's that's where his concept of Neuralink I find super super interesting because it's like okay the uh, the neural network and like I don't understand how any of this stuff works but yeah but it's interesting to me that like these two systems right the nervous system and the neural network are so similar. Is it coincidence or was it deliberate where they developed this way? My understanding is that the computer neural networks, software neural networks were, are developed to mimic. Yes. To mimic. Gotcha. And And I don't know if that's exactly how they started, but I know there's, I mean, that's definitely the case. Like, as they learn more about the neocortex and yeah. like it's definitely designed to mimic what neocortex does gotcha and if if that's the case then it makes perfect sense to me 
at what point, like, why wouldn't you want to combine those at some point? Yeah. Like, if if they're basically the same sort of foundational structures, then at some point you can combine them and then improve, you know, one or the other by having the other one there, right? right? So uh, listening to that podcast with, with Elon Musk, to hear him explain a little bit about Neuralink and just, you know, oh, you attach these electrodes in specific places in the brain and... It's just like, drill oh, a hole. Cool. Yeah, just you just put it in there like like that makes sense because the the nervous system like specific neurons like at at, at that level right the that signal from the central nervous system out to the peripheral nervous system or the peripheral nervous system to the central nervous system and then back to the peripheral nervous system that's a electrical chemical electrical chemical electrical chemical and so on and so forth message from each uh, neuron to the next neuron in that chain, right? So it's like, oh, yeah, well, if you just, you're, I guess we're kind of skipping the chemical portion. Like, we don't need that. Like, the, the body can do that. The brain can do that. The nervous system can do that. Let's just tap into that electrical part, and boom, now we can take this neural network and this nervous system and put them together, and boom, then we're improving the human body, I guess. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that I I like, the way he explains it, uh, something like you have different levels of the human brain. And have you met a human who wants to get rid of their uh, I don't know, medulla oblongata? Nope. So adding to it doesn't mean you're getting rid of what's below it. It's just expanding it. Which I think I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's crazy though. Yeah, I think I don't remember the exact predictions that he had. Whether it was you know they'll have the neural or the uh, neural link in a human maybe within a few years and then yeah he said this year but he's always optimistic but the problem with that is he also has been correct (laughs) (laughs) sometimes yeah i mean got electric cars and rockets and solar roofs and so yeah it's hard he's he's a busy man yeah Yeah. (laughs) so interesting but yeah the that whole idea is just very very interesting to me like when i think about uh how you know a lot of people are like afraid of ai and so maybe this idea of like well instead of instead of ai replacing humans maybe it'll just be like this synergistic relationship where we combine into something and like that's the quote unquote next stage of evolution or whatever um but yeah if it's if it's via the nervous system and and through these you know, electrical, electrically based neural networks. Like, okay, that makes sense to me. Like, I, I, I don't know enough to know whether that's actually possible or not. But theoretically, uh, you think theoretically, it makes sense to me, and I find and, that super interesting. Yeah, and um, well, would you, would you, uh, let's say in five years, there are people who are able to. Uh, <clears throat> interface with 
let's say, each other or a computer or whatever, the world around them through mm-hmm. thought. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what all is going to be. Or let's let's say one thing he was talking about that I find fascinating is – so, okay, so he says we we already are interfacing with AI. We're just using our thumbs, and it's really slow. And then right. we're also – we're communicating with each other through words – which do it's, not contain it's not super accurate. And... Yeah, exactly. So much information is lost. And I think yeah. too, you talk about like talking on the phone compared to talking with, with visual is different and visual is different than if you were sitting here drinking a beer with me. Like those are, yep. those are two different things. There's somehow there's extra information going back and forth, body language and stuff like that. Um, if you were able to share a thought and i could feel you know you're real excited and you're trying to tell me with words and it's just not clicking and you could share it would you would you have one of those implanted i would consider it if it if it improves my ability to do my job and it improves my relationships then i would consider it interesting (laughs) well i guess i guess job is important because i tell you move through life yeah Yeah, if it makes me better at what i do and it doesn't hurt my relationships at all yeah but like if it if it's improving those things the things that i consider very important then yeah and it doesn't cost me an arm and a leg (laughs) yep yeah just a brain just yeah dude see i'm torn up my skull like i part of me wants to say yes the other part of me like i find that I do not like when technology, when I feel overwhelmed by technology. So like uh, social media was a big one for me to get rid of pretty much all of it. Yeah. Um, with the exception of YouTube, baby. But um, <laughs> the, gotta have the tube, man. Yeah, and that's where I'm like, I I think I would like okay if it was a helmet you could put on or a uh, helmet is a little if it's something if it, if you could put a headband on or something yeah. I would do it. I'd be like, yes, if I can take it off. The problem mm. is, like, you drilling a hole in my head because I feel like there are times in my life it may just be for a month I may get overwhelmed with something, and I want to feel in control of myself, not like someone else is in control of me. Like, I want to go camping. Yeah. I don't want – I don't want to um, – you know, I don't want to see an ad where it's like you – I want to disconnect, I think is what it is. And yeah. I feel like that is going to make that so much harder to disconnect. Hmm. You're probably right. right. It's, it's, yeah. it's the mark of the beast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Let's not go down that road. Let's not, Done here. not talk about that. <laughs> Having both come from a... Uh, very conservative Christian college. I th- I think that that's a very funny notion, <laughs> but I I'm not I'm not so sure that that's actually the case. But no, I like what you're saying there. I totally I think it will be very hard to shut off once you turn it on. Like, how do you go back? Like, yep. how do you just like ah well you know what I'm gonna go camping this weekend and I don't want you know. The ability to, whatever, download a anti-bear attack 
function into my brain instantly so that I can defend myself. Like I just want to talk to the bear. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or that you would just get that real quick matrix style. Like, yeah. Have a nice. So the, this is this bear. is another tangential thought that like I can get a little too excited about. But so like with all this Corona stuff, one of the things that's made me realize and like, um, oh, I was gonna look up his name. I forgot to. There is a. There was a general that uh, uh, Patrick Bet David. Are you familiar with him? Valuetainment. Um, check out his channel. Everyone should. Um, but he does interviews, and he did a an interview with a general on 5G. So the general was in uh, China. He's and he was involved with like U.S. policy and stuff with China. And, um, so I, I think it's someone who you can at least listen to and not just be like, okay, this guy's crazy. And Listen to him and a couple other people talk about the concerns about 5G mm-hmm. and does not cause coronavirus. Not that, but Pretty just sure. the idea of it collecting so much information on us and who has that and what's going to be done with it and how do you disconnect from it? How do you, if you want to have that, great. But if you want to opt out of it, it's almost like it's going to be impossible to because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where you go, you're going to walk into a store, it's going to be collected on you and you have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a lot more to it, but that's where it's like, I don't know, it's strange. So I've been trying to, throughout this whole coronavirus thing, like really lock under, so I'm taking networking and system administration courses right now. How do I lock down my home network? How do I figure out what's going on on my phone technologically with the, um, with all the, the DNS requests and things that are going back and forth and filter that. I don't know if that probably doesn't interest anyone. But I mean, sure, it interests it's, the same, some people. it's the same thing. If you plug something in your brain, the amount, I don't think people think of the amount of communication that's flowing and where is it going? How, how are you going to go to a website mm-hmm. from if you, if you, uh, you know, just think of it like that's, yeah. they're going to be able to send. You got Firefox up here. Yeah. I mean, and, and probably, it's, it's going to be like, um, you you seem a little grumpy today. You should try this product. It'll cheer you up. Like, mm-hmm. such a bizarre, uh, I don't know, it seems bizarre now. It'll seem normal, I think, eventually when, when we get to that point. But yeah, that kind of stuff just, I don't know, bugs me. Like, no, there's right. got to be a way to control that and filter it and... I think that's a serious concern that if, uh, if you're not thinking about it now, then you you're probably going to be too late, you know, right. Right. 10, 20 years down the road when it's like, oh. Watch Black Mirror. Black Mirror is about this kind of stuff. That's true. Yeah. This turned into a dystopian podcast real fast. <laughs> <laughs> we went there. Hey, we let them know up front this was not going to be a normal, normal podcast. So if, you know what? Congratulations to you if you're still listening or watching. Thank you so much. <laughs> think i lost kevin you there i just lost the internet for a second yep yep i'm here gotcha we'll see what happens with the recording um anyway maybe that was the nsa saying all right you guys have had enough you guys should stop talking about this (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's a good way to become paranoid talk about this stuff all the time On that note, I think we should probably uh, bring this to a close. So, Ethan, thank you so much for 
having this convo with me. It's it's been a blast. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's been nice to not have to uh, have so much structure and just kind of develop the topic and just kind of talk about it as much as we feel comfortable and then kind of let the conversation go where it wants to and evolve, you know, as we open and close our mouths. Yeah, just get to the point where we don't know don't know what we're talking about. And... That's that's a good place to end it. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just like to reiterate, uh, Ethan and I are not experts in the in these areas. However, we do find them interesting. So. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, you, can I can I say real quick? Uh, I think and I think you would agree with this if you do want to learn more about uh like neural networks and stuff i mean there's tons of stuff on youtube just google um how does a neural network work convolutional uh deep learning mm-hmm. um stuff like that machine learning yep etc so one one thing that i think we can i guess bring up um we talked about um at some point maybe getting one of your professors on to discuss that so hopefully that will that will pan out down the road i'm gonna reach out to some of uh the professors that you recommended and so hopefully we'll be able to get somebody on who is an expert in this area and can shed some uh honest and true light and on this topic but i think i mean it's interesting just to talk about it and i think there's so much here that like i didn't know about any of this stuff you know, before you and I started talking about it. So I think just talking about it, I think can pique other people's interest and, and, uh, get them into looking it up and seeing what it's all about and seeing how it compares to, you know, the nervous system, for example. So, um, I think there's a lot of other people who work with the human body in some capacity who would find that interesting. So I still think it's important that we have this conversation. So good. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Calvin. For sure. <laughs> Calvin. That, that was my nickname. One of my nicknames from uh, Michael Lacey in college. Shout out to Michael Lacey. Love that guy. Love you, Michael. Calvin Kuhn. <laughs> That's me. Anyway, already y'all, thank you so much for watching and listening. And stay tuned for next week's episode. And be safe. Adios.